0: and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. <coughs> We'd like to continue this evening in this lecture number 39 from the Sharh or explanation of Kitab at Tawheed, al Allah ala al-Abid, by Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab ibn Sulaiman, al Tamimi al Najdi, rahimahullah. In the last few chapters, we have discussed some fine details related to violations of the Tawheed. Tawheed, yani the violation of, of the Tawheed in expression, yani shirk in expressions, saying something that is an expression of shirk, such as that if it wasn't for your will and the will of Allah, or the will of Allah and your will, or if it wasn't for so and so, such and such would not have happened, and so on. It is the will of Allah and your will. These expressions are fine points that many, if not most, of the Muslims are unaware of and unconscious of and are subject to fall into. And it is indeed a grave matter. Matter. And here, Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab continues to mention some such fine matters that people are unconscious or unaware of. And they are violations of the perfection of a Tawheed. Even if they might not be major shirk, however indeed they are uh, what should be considered as grave matters that a Muslim should know about, be aware of, and make every effort to avoid. The chapter that we have reached, and because of the shortness of the coming chapters, we will attempt to cover a few of them each time we meet. The chapter that we will take first is entitled, Bab. من سبا الدهر فقد آذى الله من سبا الدهر Whoever curses or abuses the time الدهر Whoever curses or abuses the time فقد آذى الله Then such a person has annoyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala They have done something which is wrong Which is an annoyance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And the expression آذى as Allah, we should know that every not every type of 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 annoyance, not every type of annoyance causes harm to the one who is annoyed, and indeed no one can cause and indeed no one can cause harm to Allah subhanahu wa taala. Uh, therefore, when we say as Allah, we don't mean that anyone causes harm to Allah, but we mean that they annoy him in doing that which is displeasing to him or dislike to him. The first evidence that the Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab mentions in this chapter, it is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surat Al-Jafiyah chapter 45 verse 24 The saying of those from amongst the disbelievers, ad-duhriya, ad-duhriya, those who believed in the time, who believed that the time was like a God besides Allah, and that it wasn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that caused their death, and that there's no life other than the life in this world, and there's no resurrection, and there's no judgment, and there's nothing to come after this. They're saying, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Qur'an, وَقَالُوا مَا هِيَ إِلَّا حَيَاتُنَا الدُّنْيَا مَا هِيَ إِلَّا الدنيا. There is no more than this life of ours in this world. There is no other life after this life, the life that we are living in this world. Yani denying that there is a resurrection after death and that there is accounting on the day of Qiyamah then they said Namutu wa nahya wa ma yuhlikuna illa we die and we live meaning humanity as a whole some of the people die and others live meaning while some die others are born generations follow generations when you die that's the end of it they said and others come to life and they also die and others come after them in this way, they denied that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would resurrect the dead on the day of Qiyamah. And they also denied that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who controls life and death, and that He is the one who takes life. وَمَا يُحْلِقُنَا إِلَّا الدهر, That nothing destroys us except the time, yani the passing of time, the days and nights, the passing of days and nights, so that if a person doesn't get sick or have some accident, in time they would die. The time is the thing that caused their death, they said, instead of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is the one who gives life and who takes it. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers them by saying, وَمَا لَهُمْ بِذَلِكَ مِنْ عِلْمٍ They have no knowledge whatsoever of this matter. هُمْ إِلَّا يَظُنُّونَ They are only making conjecture, guess, assumptions, without any real proof or any basis for the conclusion that they have come to. The Shaykh says in the general meaning of this ayat that Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala informs us in this verse about the disbelievers who are known as Ad-Dhriyim or Dhuriyun, the people who believed that time was a god like Allah. From amongst the Arabs and others than the Arabs. He said that they did not believe that there is any life other than the life in this world. And they used to believe that there is no Rabb, there is no Lord, no Creator, no, no one who controls their life and death but in fact, their life is removed only by the passing of the night and the days then Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala answers them and their false belief by making clear that their false belief has no reliable, authentic, correct basis but they are only relying upon assumption guesswork, and their own vain opinions, that which they imagine, which is not acceptable as a proof or an evidence for anything. The sheikh says concerning this matter, he mentions three benefits from this ayah. The first of them is that attributing al khair or al sharr good or evil, to the time that it is, good comes to us because of the time. Or evil came to us because of the time. Instead of that good and evil, it is ordained by Allah. It is decreed by Allah and it is controlled by Allah. That nothing happens except by the will of Allah. Whoever attributes good and evil to the time instead of Allah, that this is from the sifat of the mulhidin, of the atheists, disbelievers. And likewise, although the shaykh doesn't say it, but we can also add that it is a type of shirk in rububiyah. Because part of Tawheed al-Rububiyya is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Mutasarrif He is the one who controls the affairs of the universe He is the one who yudabbir, who, who manages and decides what will happen in the universe So when they attribute any of these things to other than Allah, it is a defect and a form of shirk in Rububiyya The second point that he says is the confirmation of another life for the human beings yani that there is a life after death because they said there is nothing but ad dunya, this life of ours and Allah refuted them He rejected this idea showing that indeed there is another life yani the next life, the life after death the third point is that الدهر is not from the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala الدهر is not one of the names of Allah they said that الدهر is what destroys us and Allah said no it is not الدهر Yani, it is not a dhahra. The dhahra is not one of the names of Allah. And this will be explained in the hadith that comes after this. Yani, that ad is not one of the asma' of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The relationship of this ayat to the chapter under discussion is that this ayat indicates uh, that it is a blameworthy characteristic of those who attribute the event that happen in their life, they attribute it to the time. And this is a form of ida for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani it is an annoyance for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as we said, it, it does not harm Allah, because nothing can harm Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but it is an annoyance, because it is a wrong. It is something that is prohibited, and it is a defect in the Tawheed. It is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dislikes. The relationship of this ayat to the general topic of a Tawheed is that this ayat blames those who attribute the events to the time because in doing so they have made at-dahr the time as a partner with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his actions and it is Allah that alternates the night and day and the seasons and the passing of time and whatever happens in that time it is controlled by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whoever attributes it to other than Allah then they have made that thing which they attributed to as a partner with Allah in His action, and His action and His control over what happens in His universe. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who has absolute control of His creation, and this is what is required as a part of uh, a tawheed and rububiyah The second evidence in this chapter and the last of them for this chapter, is that which is reported in al Sahih, pre al Sahih. عن أبي هريرة رضي الله أنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال يعني أبي هريرة رضي الله أنه from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم who said قال الله تبارك وتعالى that Allah the Blessed and the Most High said يؤذيني ابن Adam that the son of Adam annoys me annoys me الإذا here it means annoys it doesn't mean harm because Allah سبحانه وتعالى is not harmed by anything. And then he explains what he means by Al Iza. Yozini ibn Adam And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this hadith Qutsi that the son of Adam annoys me. In what way? Because he curses or abuses the time. He speaks ill of the time. If something bad happens to him on a certain day, or on a certain year, or on a certain season then he speaks ill. He curses or abuses or speaks ill against the time. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala said, "This annoys me, wa Ana ad-dahr. because I am the time." But what does it mean, Ana adh-dahr It doesn't mean that it is one of the names of Allah adh-dahr But it means, as the rest of the statement of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala clarifies, Ana Azhar dahr uqallibu al wa nahar meaning I am the one who alternates the night and the day. I am the one who controls the time. And whatever happens in that time, it is by the decree and the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. He is the Rabb of the time. He is the Mutasarrif, the one who controls the time uh, and whatever happens in it. In another narration, it is reported in a different wording, the prohibition of speaking ill of the time, لَتَسُبُّوا Subbu فَإِنَّ الدَّهْرَ هوَ اللَّهُ and most of the narrations of Kitab al-Tawheed, the wording of this hadith, it is لا تسبوا الدهر فإن الله هو الدهر Instead of فإن الده هو الله يعني don't abuse or speak ill of the time for verily really Allah هو الدهر. And the meaning of هو الدهر again is the same meaning as in the hadith Qudsi يعني هو الدهر is like the saying of Allah أنا الدهر, meaning he is the one who alternates the night and the day who causes the change in time and seasons and who controls by his power and his will whatever happens in those times. Therefore, one should not abuse the time due to what has happened in that time, because it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has caused it to happen, who has willed it to happen, who has allowed it to happen. Therefore, in speaking ill of the time, when in fact the time is not an active force that does anything, but it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who causes it to happen, then we are actually indirectly speaking ill of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. Uh, here the Shaykh says, the general meaning of this hadith is that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala is informing us in this Hadith Qudsi that the son of Adam, the human beings that they commit many acts which are disliked by Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala. and from amongst those things that Allah disliked that annoys him it is that one curses or abuses or speaks ill of the time and the attributing of the calamities that happen to one, attributing it to the time. And that is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is Malik al Dahr, He is the one who controls the time. Al Mutasarraf bihi, the one who does with the time as He wills. Wa bima yaqaa fihi, and whatever happens in that time. Therefore, abusing the time, it is abusing the one who controls it. And in the other narration he said that the Prophet has prohibited from abusing the time, informing us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who al that He is the one who owns and controls the time. He is the one that decides what will happen in the time. And this is the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it is in confirmation. And that saying that Allah, He is al-Dahar, is in confirmation of that which came in the Hadith Qudsi, the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ana al meaning I am the one who has power over and who controls the time and whatever happens in it. Here the Sheikh mentions two points derived from this Hadith. The prohibition of abusing the time. tahrim sab al-Dahar is prohibited. Haram, to speak ill or to curse or abuse the time. Because whatever happens in the time, it is really Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala who is doing it Number two نفي الفاعلية انا الدهر Yani the negation That the time is an active force That causes anything to happen Well in fact this is Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala Who causes whatever happens to happen And here shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen in his Sharh al qawl Al-Mufid He all mentioned a third point that may be derived from this hadith. It is an important point of aqeedah And it is isbat al lillahi. That is the confirmation of the characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being annoyed. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is annoyed by some of the actions of the human beings. And this should be understood like all of the sifat or characteristics of Allah. They should be understood in a way that is suitable and appropriate to the majesty and the glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This hadith, the relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion is that this hadith indicates that abusing the time is annoying to Allah Azza And the relationship of this hadith to the general topic of a Tawheed is that uh in this hadith Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us that abusing the time annoys him. Yu That is because those who abuse the time they believe that the time is an active force along with Allah that just as Allah causes things to happen likewise the time also causes things to happen therefore they have made that time as a force in the creation along with Allah and this is shirk in ar rububiyah because Allah is the one who has control and who decides what happens in his creation the questions, uh, or before the questions, the Messiah from Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab In this chapter he mentioned four issues The first of them is an sab That it is prohibited that we should abuse or speak ill of the time And this is understood in the statement of the Prophet وسلم, la Don't curse or abuse the time The second of them is lillah, That abusing the time has been called it has been described as something that is annoying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is something annoying to Allah. However, as we said, not everything that is annoying causes harm to the one who is annoyed. And for sure, whatever is annoying to Allah does not cause any harm to him. As nothing can cause harm to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As he said in the Quran in a number of places, from amongst them, is is saying, Innahum That nothing will ever cause any harm that they will never ever cause any harm to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this annoyance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is confirmed is taken from the saying of, uh, from this hadith, Yu'zini ibn Adam. The saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Yu'zini ibn Adam, that ibn Adam annoys me. The third of those issues is ta fi qawli fa inna Allahu wa dar,' يعني yani consideration and careful reflection upon. The saying of the Prophet that Verily Allah, He is the time. And here the Shaykh has uh, mentioned that the meaning, if we consider carefully this statement that Verily Allah, He is the time, we will find that its meaning is that Allah is the Muqallib al Dahr. He is the one who alternates the time. He is the one who controls it and does with it as He wills. And the meaning is not that Allah Himself is time, that it is a description of Allah or a name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, the fourth and last last issue from this chapter is as the shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab Khaznnahu qad yakunu be qad yakunu qad yakunu saban walau lam yaqsidhu biqalbihi yani that somebody might through their action, be considered as one who has abused Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by abusing the time, even though he didn't intend it in his heart. And Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Hussaymin, rahimahullah, says that had the author used the word mu'ziyyan instead of Saban, it would have been more proper and more correct, because indeed the one who curses the time has in fact cursed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or they have abused Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and annoyed him, In that saying, however, perhaps the meaning of it, instead of saying the one who abused the time, he should have said the one who annoyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is possible that somebody may annoy Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even though they didn't intend to do so. And if they thought that they are only speaking ill of the time, in their heart they didn't intend to speak ill of Allah, but in fact, the speech or the words that they have said, it is. An annoyance to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala Himself. Now, the questions that are related to this chapter: the first of them, what did those disbelievers that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has mentioned their words in the Quran, uh, in the first ayat from Surah al What did they mean when they say there is nothing but our life in this world? The in the hayatinat dunya. What did they mean by there is nothing but our life in this world? They meant to Deny that there is another life, that there is a resurrection after death, and that there is accounting in the next world. Explains what is the meaning of their words namutu wanahya, that we die and we live, wama illa al-dahr, and nothing destroys us except Ad-Dahr, except the time. The explanation of this statement is that when they said, we die and we live, they mean the human beings in general. Some of them die after their time, and others are born. The meaning of we die and we live, some of the people die and others live. Meaning some others are born, taking their place, they are generations, following generations. And nothing destroys us except Adbar, It means that our life is only taken away because of the passing of time. And this is also a negation of the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that he is the one who gives life and causes death what was the aqidah of the dahriya or the duhriya more properly it should be although it is sometimes written dahriya but linguistically it is more proper to say duhriya as some of the scholars have said what was the aqidah of these people who believed in the time their aqidah was primarily two things number one that there is no life after this death the denial of of resurrection and accounting and number two the denial of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as their Lord who controls their life and who can take their life whenever he wills that he is the one who takes their life and destroys them the denial of these two points denial of another life and the denial that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who takes life what category of shirk does this fall into? this falls into the category of shirk in rububiyah because the control over what happens in the universe is part of rububiyah rububiyah includes the khalq creation and the mulk, the ownership or control and the Tasarruf, or Tadbir, uh, the one who does whatever he wills in his creation. So here, when they attributed something of having power over what happens in this creation to other than Allah, it is a violation of the Tawheed of Rububiyah, or it is Shirk in Rububiyah. And for the benefits that may be derived, or Ahkam, this is what we have mentioned under each uh, evidence. The next chapter that the Imam mentions it is also of the fine matters it is in reference to naming in fact the next two chapters are dealing with naming names that are inappropriate or unacceptable or violations of a Tawheed in some way or another the first of these two chapters is Bab At-Tasammi bi qadi Al-Qudat wa At-Tasammi being named with a name such as Qadi Al-Qudat the judge of judges the reality of this name, the judge of judges, it is the one who judges the judges. And that is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The judges judge the people. But the one who judges the judges is Allah. Therefore, even if this name is used in such a way, I and mean that it is, the intention behind it is to say that this judge is above the other, other judges. In his status or his position or his, on his knowledge. In fact, whatever the intended meaning is, the expression is disallowed. It is prohibited and it is a violation of Tawheed in naming a creature with that name which is the exclusive right of Allah there is no one who judges the except Allah, He is the judge of judges so this name and other such names, this name the Imam Muhammad ibn Abd wahhab has mentioned because it is similar in meaning and falls under the same category of that which came in the hadith that he mentions in this chapter, that is Malik al Amlaq it is similar to this in that both of these names are names that are the exclusive rights of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, and nobody else should be named with them so here the Imam, he mentions uh, in this chapter this evidence from the Sahih that is that which is reported in Al-Bukhari and Muslim Sahih and Abu Hurairah and the Nabiya SallAllahu sallam. Abu Hurairah says that the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam said inna akhna'a ismin in Allahi, Rajulun Malik al يعني إِنَّ يعني the lowest and the meanest and the most detestable or the most debasing of names with Allah is a man who has been named Al الْأَمْلَاكَ it has been translated as king of kings however it also could be understood to mean the one who owns everything all properties or all existing wealth or property or whatever exists. And in either case, however it is translated as the king of kings or the one who owns everything that exists, in any case it is a description that is only fitting for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, uh, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he says here that uh, such a name, it is the lowest and most despicable name that a person could be named with, However, he doesn't really mean in the ism in the Allah. He doesn't mean the name, but he means the person who is named with that name. And that is proven in the rest of the sentence itself. He says the, the lowest of names with Allah is a man, a man who is named with this name, Malik al Amla. So here, actually, the name is not what is intended, but what is intended is the condition that that person who is named by that name, either naming himself or being named by others and he accepting it and being pleased with it. Then he is the lowest. He will be the lowest in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet then explains why is this so? He said, La Malik illallah because there is no Malik. There's no absolute master or one who owns and possess and controls everything except Allah (laughs) subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mithlu Shah and Shah. Shah and Shah and like similar to what is mentioned in this hadith is also this name or this title of this expression Shah and Shah which is uh, an expression which is not an Arabic word but its meaning is the same as "malik al-Amlak or "malik al-Muluk, the king of kings he said this is similar in meaning and therefore because it is also a description that is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone it falls under the same ruling that one who is named with such a name would be the lowest of people in front of Allah on in another narration of the Hadith he said أَغْيَضُوا رَجُلٍ عَلَى اللَّهُ وَأَخْبَثُهُ that the one who is named with such a name he is the one that would cause the most anger and the wrath of Allah to befall him and he would be يعني أَخْبَثُ يعني the most evil of people, the most evil and the one who would earn and deserve the greatest and most severe anger and wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Shaykh says the general meaning of this hadith is that the Messenger of Allah informs us in this hadith that the ugliest or the vilest and the most contemptible and demeaning and despicable, the most humiliating person would be the one who names himself Malik al Amlak, the king of kings. Or other such names, if he is pleased with being named with that name, and that is because he has risen, he has elevated himself to a status that is the status of the Lord of the world of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala Himself, and he has attempted to compare himself and his status to the absolute King, that is Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And then the Prophet Wasallam made clear that there is no Malik, there is no master or king or owner for this universe and whatever is in it including the kings and those who are under the kings or those who possess and that which is possessed there is no one that is a Malik for the universe and whatever is in it except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and perhaps he said that this hadith it should be a warning and a reminder for those who use such names and titles for people while they perhaps did not understand its meaning or that which it indicates it should be a warning for them before and so that they would not be afflicted by that which this hadith warns against of being humiliated and being held in contempt Uh, that is the one who names people with such a name as well as the one who is named with such a name and is pleased with it Wallahu Mustaan from this uh, hadith the shaykh mentions two points or two benefits the first of them is Sahreem or the prohibition of naming oneself or being named with this, such a name as king of kings and likewise every name that indicates the limit or the utmost or the highest level of greatness or glory or supremacy any name that indicates uh, such an idea like that which is mentioned by Sufyan ibn Uyayna Allah, Shah and Shah even if it is in another language any name or title that indicates such a meaning it is haram, it is prohibited and from amongst those names is that which the Imam has mentioned in the title Qadi Al Qudat which had become a popular title for the scholars or the judges or the people of high status and knowledge in the later generations the second point is the obligation of ta'addub y.e. having observing respect observing respect and manners by avoiding those expressions which might possibly have a blameworthy meaning. It is adab and it is required, it is obligatory that a Muslim have adab and should avoid such expressions that might have يعني, a blameworthy meaning. Uh, likewise, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih al has mentioned a third point that is not in the book that we are reading from. And it is also a very important point of the matters of Aqeedah and tawhid Al-Asma wa Sifat and that is it's that Al-Ghayz Lillahi the confirmation of the characteristic of Al-Ghayz that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will be angry the one who names himself or his name with such a name he would be the one deserving and who would earn the severest anger and wrath of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and he has described it here as Ghayz that this is the characteristic that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may be described with. However, he should be it should be understood in such a way that is appropriate and suitable to the Majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the sheikh said, Ghayz is more severe than ghadab, than anger. Al is more severe. It is a more severe level of anger or displeasure. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion is that this hadith indicates the prohibition of someone being named with such a name as the king of kings and the relationship to Tawheed is that while this hadith has prohibited uh, the use of such a name and that which is similar to it it is due to the fact that it is shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in rububiyah that they call themselves the king of kings it is shirk in that they think that they have some control over the universe that is controlled only by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is the only one who is the king of kings in this dunya and likewise although the Shaykh hasn't mentioned it here but it is also shirk in asma wa sifat to describe oneself with the names that belong to Allah alone so it is shirk in both areas in rububiyyah. whoever says that they control the universe or that they possess the universe which is controlled and owned by Allah alone or whoever describes itself with such a name that belongs to Allah alone Uh, the material that the Shaykh has mentioned at the end of this chapter there are four the first of them is the prohibition of being named with such a name as the king of kings the second of them is that whatever name which is similar to it similar to such name it is also prohibited as mentioned in the statement of Sufyan Ibn Uyayna and he mentioned that similar to it is the name Shah and Shah and which means king of kings or the emperor of the Worlds or something like this the third uh, and here the shaykh mentions other names Yani Al-Qudat Wa Al-Hukkam And so on All of these names Are names that are the right of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala The third of them Is understanding Reflecting upon and trying to understand The severity In this matter And that which is similar to it Even though We might be sure That the person who used Such a title Or described somebody with such a title Did not intend in their heart To make them equal to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala Nonetheless, the matter, it is serious, because even if that person is a great king, even if they are, then using such an expression is a prohibited expression, that can only be used for Allah, and if they were not a great king, then not only is it a prohibited expression, the shaykh said, but it is also kazib, lying. The fourth issue is considering and understanding, that the prohibition of such it is for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the reason why it is prohibited is is for the sake of Allah because Allah as the Prophet said in that hadith there malik illa Allah because he is the only malik he is the only one who has control over everything therefore no one else uh, has a right to be named with such name Uh, the questions related to this chapter number one explains the expression Qadi al-Qudat Qadi al-Qudat it means the judge of judges but what, it, what is really intended by this expression or the reality of its meaning is it is the one who judges humanity the judges and everyone else and that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala number two what will be the condition of one who accepts and is pleased with such titles when he stands in front of Allah on qiyamah he would be the lowest of people and the most uh, de- degraded and the most hated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because of him naming himself with such a name, raising himself up, Allah will uh, lower him and make him degraded. What can be derived from the statement of Sufyan ibn Huyayna? Yani the statement of Sufyan ibn Uyayna that, like Malik al Amlaq, likewise the title Shah and Shah is also similar to it and holds the same ruling. What we can understand from this that not only Malik al Amlaq but other such names in Arabic or in any other language whatever language it may be in, but if it has such a meaning, then it is also prohibited. Why is the use of such names or titles prohibited? It is prohibited because these titles are only fitting for Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the only one that should be described with such, and therefore it is a violation of the perfection of Tawheed to describe others or to describe oneself with such a name. And the next question is, the benefits or the ahkam derived from it, is what we have already mentioned under the evidences. Time. Okay, the last chapter that we want to take today is also related to any violation in Tawheed, Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat, or that which is required in reference to Tawheed al-Asma wa Sifat. And here the Imam has entitled this chapter Bab احترام اسماء الله Al Ism بأجل ذلك احترام اسماء الله And he having respect for the names of Allah Honoring and respecting the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And here احترام اسماء الله, The meaning of احترام اسماء الله Means that we shouldn't name ourselves or name anyone With those names that are exclusive for him If they are named that can be used for Allah and for the human beings, there is no problem in doing so. Especially if it is used only as a name. But if it is used in consideration of the characteristic that is in that name, then that characteristic is for Allah alone. However, just as a name, just as a name, there are some names that might be used for the human beings as well as Allah, While there are other names that are exclusive for Allah alone. That are exclusive for Allah alone. And here the meaning of احترام Asmaillah it means, first and foremost, not naming ourselves or others with those names that are exclusive to Allah. And number two, it also means يعني, uh, showing respect for the names of Allah. And if somebody is named with such a name, then they should change it as the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has done. And it is mentioned in this hadith in reference to the kunya of one of the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In this hadith, which is reported by Abu Dawood and others, he says, "Wa Abi anhu, But in most of the narrations, it says, "Kana yukna," meaning that he was named or he was given the kunya, the kunya, which is probably the correct narration: "Kana yukna, Aba al Hakam," that he was, he had been given the kunya of. Abu al-Hakam. And al-Hakam is one of the names of Allah. So he was given the kunya Abu al-Hakam, which is similar to one saying somebody's kunya is Abu Allah. Abu Allah. Because al-Hakam is one of the names of Allah. So he was called this name Abu al-Hakam. فَقَالَ لَهُ النَّبيِّ صلى الله عليه وسلم, when he came in the presence of the Prophet with his people, and uh, the Prophet heard them calling him Abu al-Hakam, the Prophet ﷺ said to him, إِنَّ اللَّهَ wa ilayhi al الْحُكُمْ That it is Allah, verily it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who, He is al hakim He is Al-Hakam. That is one of the names of Allah. How can you be Abu Al-Hakam? He said He is Al-Hakam. Yani Al-Hakam here it means, the one who when he makes a judgment or ruling, it cannot be rejected. And He is the only one who when he makes a judgment in a matter, it can't be rejected. That is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not any human being and the ruling or the judgment, it goes back to him alone. It is his right alone, meaning that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is the one who has the right to judge in this world and in the next life. Then he said, يكنا يكنا yani after the Prophet sallallahu told him that Allah He is al-Hakam and that the Hakam or the ruling or the judgment is for him alone in this world and the next life. This is his absolute right. Unless somebody rules or judge by the law of Allah. Yani that means they are judging by Allah's law. Not by their own mind or their own thinking. Otherwise, it is the right of Allah alone to rule. And therefore, when we judge, we have to judge by the law of Allah. He said, so why are you given the kunya Abu Hakim? hakam Then he anhu, responded, answering and explaining how he got this kunya. And by the way, kunya, as I think most of us know, it is an expression that is used to refer to somebody by beginning with, the prefix Abu or Um. Yani Abu al-Hakam here. Or according to somebody's name Abu Ahmed or Um Ahmed and so on. This is what we mean by Kunya. Uh, so then he explained, radiallahu anhu, he said, in قَوْمِ إِذَا اخْتَلَفُوا فِي شَيْءٍ أَتُونِ فَحَكَمْتُ بَيْنَهُمْ فَرَضِيَ And he said that, verily really, my people, whenever they differ about a matter, whenever they have a difference among themselves they came to me, they used to come to me to ask me to rule between them or to judge between them فحَكَمْتُ بَيْنَهُمْ so I used to make a ruling for them فَرَضِيَ al. الْفَرِيكَينَ then both sides, both parties used to be pleased with the ruling or the judgment that I would make for them and for this reason he was given the name Abu Hakam. they called him by this name because he used to make judgments for them and they were pleased with the judgments that he used to make. The judgments from his own Ijtihad, not by the law of Allah, but by his own mind. He used to judge and the people were pleased with what he used to judge with. The Prophet sallallahu accepted his excuse for being given this name even though it was prohibited but he accepted that it was a legitimate excuse or as some of the scholars said that he said that it was, such a, it was a good thing meaning, yani his judging between the people and resolving their differences it was a good thing he said to him مَا أَحْسَنَ هَذَا what is more excellent or better than this meaning what is more excellent than the excuse you have given how you were given this name or what is more excellent than that you judge between the people and resolve their differences that you make up uh, the differences or you fix the differences between the people then the Prophet ﷺ, after accepting his excuse he said to him فَمَا لَكَ مِنَ الْوَلَدِ يعني yani how many children do you have and الْوَلَدِ here it is different from Ibn. Walad, it includes male and female He said, how many children do you have? قال, or, or, Qala or Qultu Qultu Qala He said Shureyhe, one of his children is Shureyhe Wa Muslim Wa Abdullah. He named his children, they were three All of them were boys He mentioned their names Qala The Prophet Sallallahu then said to him Faman akbaruhum Which is the oldest of them Meaning First he will give him a kunya It is based on the name of his children and then he wants to know which is the oldest, because it should be by the name of the oldest of them. He said, Qala Qala fa Fa'anta Abu Shuray. Then the Prophet, وسلم, when he answered him saying that his oldest son was Shuray, he said, Then your kunya should be, from now on, instead of Abu Hakim, Abu Shuray, the father of Shuray. Pro Abu Da'ud his reported by Abu Daoud and others. And uh, the hadith is Sahih, as declared by Shaykh al Bani, as you see in the notes. Uh, the Sheikh says in the general meaning of this hadith, Shaykh al-Kharaawi, Allah, may Allah protect and preserve him. He says that Abu Shurey, radiallahu anhu, us, and his name was Hani ibn Yazid al-Kindi. He said that when he came to the Prophet sallallahu sallam, uh, amongst a group of people from his tribe, and at that time he had been given the kunya, Abu al-Hakam, that verily the Messenger of Allah when he heard his people calling him by this name or by this kunya, he rejected it. The Prophet rebuked the use of such an expression, to call someone by such a name, informing him that this name Al-Hakam, it is a name for Allah alone. Because he is the Hakam, the one who when he rules, his ruling cannot be rejected, nor can anybody come behind him and make a new ruling. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one, when He rules, nobody comes behind Him. You can't send it to a higher court, to the Supreme Court or somewhere else. When Allah rules, that is the end of the matter. It cannot be rejected, nor can anybody. can He come behind Him and give a new ruling. Uh, then He said that Abu had given, had offered the excuse, how he had... Uh, and that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that he used to judge for his people and they used to be pleased with his judgment, and that the Prophet sallallahu considered this as a legitimate or a good excuse, and then he asked him, did he have any children, and he informed him about his three sons, and then he asked which was the oldest, and he said that it was Shurey, and then he gave him the kunya, according to the name of the oldest of them, that is Shurey, so he said, your kunya is Abu Shurey. Then the shaykh mentions, uh, a number of or benefits or points derived from this hadith the first of them is that Islam removes whatever came before it whatever he did before out of ignorance then that is removed, it is not against him when he came to know also <coughs> Islam removes whatever came before it and also the ignorant person in general, as a general principle, and it's not an absolute principle the one who is ignorant of something is excused due to his ignorance until he comes to know. But However, whatever we are ignorant of, we are supposed to search for the knowledge and request and seek knowledge so that we will not act based on ignorance. Number three, the obligation of inkar and munkar that we have to reject or rebuke any that which is evil whether it is failing to fulfill the obligatory duties or engaging in that which is prohibited. Number four, the confirmation of the name or the confirmation of a name and if I'm amongst the names of Allah that is Al-Hakam that Al-Hakam is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala number five the prohibition of going for judgment to the one who is fit to make judgment even if he has not been specifically appointed as a iqadi that it is permissible to go to somebody for judgment, even if he hasn't been specifically appointed as a qadi Uh, and that once we go to somebody for judgment, that we should stick to that which they have ruled. (coughs) And once we go to that person and seek their judgment, then as long as both parties sit until the judgment is given, then they have to act in accordance with that ruling. Number six, that it is commendable to accept the excuse of a Muslim if he has given a legitimate or appropriate excuse for what he has done it is mustahab, it is commendable that when somebody excuses themselves with a legitimate reasonable excuse we should accept it and let whatever has happened pass number seven the permissibility of the kunya being based upon the name of the daughter because Al walat here, it is an expression in Arabic which is applicable to al zakr wal unfa, male and female. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ asked him about his children, and it happened that he only had sons. However, he didn't ask him about what is the name of your sons and which is the oldest of your sons. He asked what are the names of your children. And had he had daughters, then he would have mentioned the name of his daughters, and the Prophet ﷺ would have asked him which, who is the oldest of them. So it is understood from this that it is permissible that someone can be named the kunya can be given based on the name of their daughter if she is the oldest and number eight finally that it is legislated uh, that the kunya should be based on the name of the oldest child based on the name of the oldest child. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion is that this hadith indicates the obligation of changing the name if that name suggests some resemblance or similarity to the names of Allah and His characteristics, and if that, that name should be changed, it is, if it is in some way resembling the name of Allah, or one of the names of Allah, or the sifat that are exclusive to Allah alone, it should be changed, person should change their name if they fall into violation of Tawheed in this area, the relationship of this hadith to the general topic of a Tawheed, that this hadith rejects, uh, the idea that somebody should make resemblance or similarity to the, to the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that they should be named or that they should name somebody with a name that is similar or that resembles them <coughs> to Allah by any yani resembling the names of Allah because this is shirk with Allah in His name and characteristics the Messiah that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab has mentioned in this chapter there are three the first of them is having respect for the names of Allah and His characteristics even if somebody has taken such a name or characteristic not intending that meaning which is prohibited meaning that we should avoid those names and characteristics which are exclusive to Allah alone even if we don't mean by it that meaning which is prohibited but we should avoid such names especially if that name is of those names that that is only used for Allah if it is of those names that is allowed for the human beings then there is no harm in using it as long as we don't mean the meaning, the sifa that is exclusive for Allah but we only mean that it is a name to call somebody by (coughs) number two that changing the name in order to respect and to avoid falling into a violation of the tawheed of asma wa sifat that we should change a person's name if it is in violation of the law of Allah or what Allah has allowed Uh, if it is from those things that Allah has prohibited. And number three, uh, the choosing or the selecting of the name of the oldest child uh, for one's kunya. The question at the end of this uh, section also, what is the meaning of kunya? We said that kunya, it is that expression which is used to refer to somebody by which is prefixed by Abu or Yani um. I mean, This is the general meaning of kunya. I mean, uh, whether it is the name of their child, or the name of, or some other name like Abu Huraira, because he used to love kittens, so he was called Abu Huraira. Or Abu Bakr, radiAllahu Anhu, radiAllahu Anhum Ajma'in, who was referred to. This kunya was actually his name. Actually, sometimes the kunya can also be the person's name. Uh, in any case the kunya is that which is normally re- beginning prefixed by abu or om um, and that which comes after it It may be the name of the child or it may be some other meaning that they are associated with number two explain what is the meaning of Allah is al-hakam and al hukum is for him alone what is the meaning of Allah is al-hakam it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who rules or judges and when he judges uh, his judgment cannot be rejected and al-hukam is for him alone means that he is the one who has the right to rule over the people in this world and in the next. Number three, explain what the Prophet ﷺ meant when he said, How excellent is this yani when he said to Abu Shurey, Anhu, when he explained to him how he had been given this kunya, and the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Ma أحسن هذا how excellent is this he meant by that either how excellent is the excuse that he has offered. And yani it was a legitimate, acceptable excuse, or he meant by that, how excellent is what you have done. Yani in judging between the people justly and rightly. Uh, in fixing the affairs of the people and reconciling between them. Making up the differences between the people bringing them together. How excellent is such a thing. Islah bayn al-nas. Number four. What might be derived from the word? Then you will be known as Abu Shurey. Yani from now on after the Prophet ﷺ asked him about his children's names. And which of them was the oldest? He said, Then you are Anta Abu Shurey. What did he mean by this? He means that he should change that kunya he had before and don't use it anymore and now he should be known by this name Abu Shurey and this is the general way that the kunya is taken Uh, the last question explain what category of shirk this falls under and whether it is major or minor. The category of shirk shirk that this falls under is the category of shirk related to Tawheed al-Asma wa Sifat. It is shirk in Tawheed al-Asma wa Sifat that someone should be named with a name that is the name, the right of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala alone this is a violation of Tawheed and Asma wa Sifat, or we can say it is Shirk. in Tawheed and Asma wa Sifat, however, however it is minor shirk. it is not major shirk. Uh, as long as it is only the mistake is in using that name out of its place, not believing that that person really is equal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As long as it is just a mistake in using a name that should only be used for Allah, then in that case it is minor shirk subhanaka Allahumma wa bihamdika ashadu wa la ilaha illa anta astakbharka wa toubu any questions or comments or correction I don't know if there is any time remaining alhamdulillah Allah <laughs>